This call is now being recorded. There we go. All right. So I'm All right. Started. Hello and welcome to LEAP. Did you know May is Water Safety Month? While we are still practicing social distancing. Hello and welcome to LEAP. Did you know May is Water Safety Month? While we are still practicing social distancing, and for many of us, public pools, parks, and boat ramps are closed or are just now opening. We thought it'd be a great time to talk about water safety. You know, here in Polk County, we have so many options for recreating on the water. We have over 500 lakes, several rivers, streams, and numerous canals, especially in Winter Haven. From lounging, which is what I like to do, swimming, skiing, or just riding a boat around on one of our beautiful lakes, it's important to be safe. So today, we have invited to the podcast Paul Thomas, and Paul's a fisheries biologist with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. And he's going to talk about water safety on the water. Well, water safety. The Lakes Education Action Drive is an environmental education organization. We're designed to inform visitors, elected and non-elected officials, and residents of Polk County the importance of water quality. So when we have great water quality, obviously we want to be on the water. You know, I've known Paul for well over 10 years, if not longer, and I know he spends much of his time on the water. So today I wanted to talk to Paul about being safe on the water. But before we do, Paul is also a board member of LEAD. So let us take a few minutes and get to know him a little better. Paul, welcome to the LEAD podcast. Thank you, Danny. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Well, I, you know, I've been, since we started these podcasts, you, you were the one guest I really wanted to talk to, and we, we got a good history. So, so tell yeah, we our do. audience, we do, and tell our audience about your background, where you're from, you know, your education, what took you to FWC? Uh, I'm originally from um, southwest Michigan, um, Grand Rapids area, and uh, I went to school at uh, Michigan State University, Hill Green, and got my degree in fisheries management. Um, took me a little while to figure out what, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I was originally an art major, uh, so I, I draw and paint as well. And then I kind of segued into the optical industry for a little bit, thought I'd be an eye doctor, but then I realized what a horrible profession it is. You'll die and you'll never know which is better, one or two. But I'm <laughs> Those of you who have had an eye exam know what that means. Um, yep. And I always, I always loved the outdoors. You know, I, I grew up on, on, uh, inland lakes and the Great Lakes up there. So I was, I was on a boat. I was fishing, you know, hunting, hiking and, uh, had two people who, who kind of influenced my career decision. I had a, an uncle up in Canada who was, uh, who was in the forestry division up there and a family friend who was, uh, a state park manager and, and I realized, wow, there's there's a career where some some kind of a career that you can have in the outdoors, and so I started exploring it, and I'm like, oh, fisheries biologist, look at this, oh, this is cool. So I went over and interviewed at um, at the School of Natural Resources in in Michigan State, talked to um, the head of the fisheries department, and um, I said, yeah, I'll apply. So I did, and. Got my degree. Um, there were two places I wanted to work, either Michigan or Florida. I had visited Florida only once uh, back when I was in high school. 
and just fell in love with uh, the Central Florida area, uh, in particular the Winter Haven Chain of Lakes. Um, went to Cypress Gardens, you know, they had used to have that little boat tour, it's just the little blue boats, and they put you out onto Lake Eloise and stuff, and I'm looking around at, at alligators and, at that time, clear tannin-stained water that looked like iced tea with big bass and yep. bluegill and eagles and ospreys and, you know, herons and all kinds of cool critters. I said, man, this is really a neat place. And um, there's that spot there in the gardens, um, still there with Legoland, where you can watch the sunset through the cypress trees. It's a photo op. Yeah. And I had taken a, and I'd taken a picture of that when I was a kid. And um, I turned that into a painting. And that painting um, still hangs in my house. And it's just kind of cool for me that I can go to that spot still, um, you know, when I'm on the chain. And, you know, I'm like 15 again. It's just, it's, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed to have ended up here. So. Wow. That's all I got here. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. I, like you said, we've known each other for over 10 years. I did not know yeah. that. And that is really cool. And, man, I get it. I've been to Cypress Gardens back in the old days, too. And I, I know exactly the spot you're talking about. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so you, you know, I knew you was a, a musician. Uh, yep. I did not know that you were an artist as well, so that that's something new to me. But tell us a little bit about your your music and your art. Does that keep you sane? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it, it does. I, I I was blessed to grow up in a, in a musical family. Um, both my parents um, and me and, and all my sisters, we all sang in the church choir at various times. Um, we were all required to take a to play an instrument in. Um, you know, in middle school and high school, I was a, I was a drummer back then. Um, but I always preferred I preferred singing and um, taught myself how to play uh, harmonica. Um, my mom was a piano teacher for over fifty years, and so she, you know, we we all had to learn how to play. And I will say, out of all my siblings, I'm the worst. <laughs> uh, but but I'm the one who has mom's piano. After she passed away, it, um, I brought it down here to, to Florida, so it's it's in my house. Wow! I pick on it every now and then. Um, started singing karaoke probably 30 years ago, you know, just out of on a dare, and um, yeah. it was fun. And I still sing with pretty much the it's a, it's you know it's kind of a funny little subculture, but it's um, most of the people that I sing with. So we've been singing together at various places for at least 20 years. And I had friends that were in bands, you know, local bands, and every once in a while they'd ask me to come up and, and do a number with them. And then uh, some friends of mine decided that they wanted to start a band, and uh, they were looking for somebody to do the vocals, and they asked me to audition. I'm like, oh, what the hell? So I did. <laughs> and uh, they're like, okay, you're it. So... <laughs> That was about four, probably about four years ago, and uh, so our group is called Joe's Garage Band. Um, our guitar player's name is Joe, and our practice studio nice. is is his garage, <laughs> of course. And, and Joe's Garage is a, is my favorite Frank Zappa album, so we uh, that's that's the name we adopted. And it's just you know, four it. old guys who have fun. We're, we're not, you know, it's not going to be another career. Um, Right, but it's it's a blast. I mean, we we do cover tunes. We've written some of our own songs. 
Um, you know, we do, uh, we'll play just about anywhere. So, um, and it's, uh, it's just a blast. It's all there is. So. It sounds like that, that is pretty doggone cool. I've, I've seen your, your escapades on Facebook before, so I know that, that you enjoy it and, and that's great. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you a little bit what brought you to lead, but, but before I do that and before we get into voting safety, you know, okay. like I said, we've known each other for a while and, and I kind of gave you a heads up on this, but you know, a few years ago, I, I used to post a lot on Facebook. And say, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now about my food uh, and beverages trips. Uh, uh-huh. I would get excited about a new sandwich, or more importantly, a strawberry milkshake. <laughs> you know, and, and you would, you would always uh-huh. come back, normally about being fit, and right. you would kind of shame me. So, so my question is: uh, besides musician and fisheries biologist, are you yeah. a fitness junkie, Paul? Uh, I'm. Junkie? I'm actually a licensed trainer. Um, I teach boxing and spin and what's called hydro spin um, at the city gym here in Lakeland. And I've, I've done that for oof, at least 15 years. So, wow. And I'm, you know, I like to, I, I like to tease you because it was just funny, but you know, I'm, just because I'm a trainer doesn't mean that I don't like all of that stuff too. I do, <laughs> but, but you gotta be, well, for me anyway, I gotta be, you know, probably more moderate than, than somebody else because, you know, I'm the one they're, they're paying to, you know, try and get people in shape. So <laughs> absolutely. No, I really, yeah. I joke about it, but it was, it, it was a, it, it was true. We're not lying about this folks. This did happen. No. <laughs> it was really what uh, kind of got me into getting a little bit more fit. So Paul, I give you that credit and I appreciate you. Well, well thank you. <laughs> Really uh, well, I, and I'll tell you, it's tough. The, um, like, the, like I said, the lady I'm dating is, lives over in Tarpon Springs. She's Italian. And, oh, oh she, oh, she can cook. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, uh, I'm like, okay, so you're telling me that this is going to be a 10 mile run dinner, right? Okay, got it. <laughs> exactly. I love it. So, I love it. Yeah. I was so. So what brought you to be, you know, I know that's where we met is really on lead, and, and I was a yeah. board member years ago as well. So what brought you to be on the board of Lakes Education? Uh, you know, the organization started um, like a year or two before I got down here um, to Florida, which was in 1988. And um, my supervisor at the time um was involved with lead. He, he was one of the, like one of the founding members. Um, and they were having a, it was the first, I don't remember what they called it. I think lead day. And it was, mm-hmm. um, they'd gotten a whole lot of vendors and, uh, you know, water management district and, you know, and us and can't remember who all else. Um, but my, uh, my supervisor said, Hey, I want you to, to man a, a booth at this thing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, um, I did that and, um, ended up, uh, that was like the first time my picture was in the newspaper. Um, cause we got really ambitious and we had this big, I used to call it the blue margarine tub, this, this big aquaculture tank that was light enough that it was portable. Um, 
and we had set it up and we'd gone out and electrofished a bunch of species uh, out of Lake Collingsworth and we were showing, you know, kids and families the, the fish that were out there. And um, I did, I guess I did well enough that some of the other people that were on, on uh, the board at that time, um, when my boss left, you know, and he, he, he was, he was going in other directions and, and, um, they said, would you like to be on the board? And I said, oh, sure. Why not? Here I am. <laughs> Here you are. That's yeah. awesome. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And, I, and, and, you know, I love the mission. It's, um, you know, it's, it's been a, it, the organization has grown so much over the years and, you know, direction just gets better and, you know, we're not just uh, spray painting, um, you know, fish and a message, don't dump your graph down, you know, sewer drain people. Right. You know, we've got the message, you've got the podcast now, this is cool. Um, you know, we've got the signage, all the, all the different avenues that we've gone out into the communities to, to get that message across that, you know, our, our lakes and rivers and our water quality is, is very, very important. Um, not just for the critters that live there, you know, um, but for us as well, a healthy environment is better for is better for people. So yes, it sure is. Yeah, yeah. You know that's what drew me to lead to as well. Is that is that is the key? You know, we are all as human society, we have to be uh, mindful of our water quality. It's why we survive. So right. that's a good point. All right. So so no small talk. Let's talk a yep. little bit about water safety. Why we're here. So you, you okay. do spend a lot of time in the water, or on the I do. and in the water. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if we talk about a little bit of precautions you take every time you go out on a boat. Well, so the first, uh, most of our, our our boating experiences for work are, uh, it's not a work boat, it's an electrofishing boat, it's fish sampling. Um, it's uh, It's very safe as long as you're following directions, um, but if you slip up, um, you can get really hurt at this. It's, you know, you're putting a, a very strong controlled electrical field in the water, um, that as long as you don't touch it, you're good. <laughs> but if you touch it, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt you. Um, so we're probably a little bit more, uh, even more mindful of, of safety when we're out there than, uh, you know, a recreational boater or, or somebody who's out recreational fishing. So the first thing we do, uh, we have a whole checklist of, of, you know, equipment and safety, you know, safety features that we got to go over before we take the boat out. You know, and it's, it, it starts with something as simple as check the tire pressure. You know, check your check your trailer bearings, make sure they're greased. Um, you know, check your coupler, check your lights, make sure all of that's in working order. Uh, there's no, there's nothing more frustrating than than say not checking tire pressure and going down the road and looking in the rearview mirror and all of a sudden you see your tire just shred into nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and and uh I've had that happen. Um actually the, the worst time, if I can just segue into a quick story here, I was coming back um from uh Bonita Springs. I'd gone down there to help our wildlife guy. Um catch and move an American crocodile that was had taken up residence on the golf course. And it was a very long day, so I didn't start back. I come up to Lakeland till like three in the morning. 
Yeah. So I'm riding along up the I-75, and it's yeah. I mean, there's there's nobody on the road at that at that time, and I had the window down just so I had you know the breeze blowing and keep me awake. And I kept hearing this weird sound, like this little zing, like zip. I'm like, what is that? Next thing I know, the driver's side trailer tire passes me. It's <laughs> <laughs> not good. Yeah. Not not a, not a good thing at all. It goes rolling past me, and then I, I see it like you know hits the edge of the highway and bounces up into the median uh, up ahead of me. I'm like, oh my gosh! I pull over, and um, long story short, um, for whatever reason, the lug nut on the trailer um, that noise I was hearing was them spinning off. Wow! As our, our our technician at the time hadn't gone through and checked everything and tightened them down and so i'm i'm walking down the highway with a flashlight and i find believe it or not i found all the lug nuts and then went and retrieved the tire jacked the trailer up put it back on and then drove the rest of the way to back to the office and got back back up here like at six in the morning (laughs) wow yeah found all the lug nuts that's amazing I found all the lug nuts laying on the highway. Was, yeah, I couldn't believe it. So, um, so yeah, so we do that. We make sure that everybody's got a PFD on the boat. Um, you know, that's a that's a that's you know a, even a stronger requirement for us that when we're on the water, you know, we're wearing them. Um, you know, we're supposed to set an example. So, yeah. And I don't I don't like to be out on the water without one anyway. It's just. Yeah, you know, there's. I don't care how good a swimmer you are. There's just too many things that can go wrong. So, you know, if you if you say slip and fall, and and as you're going down, your your head hits the deck of the boat, um, you're not swimming. <laughs> you know, there you go. and that's where PFD comes comes into play. Um, there's all those other. You know, if you look at our our, our website, we've got a really really good section in there on boating safety. You know. When does the boat need to be registered? You know, um, everything you've got to have on board from, you know, whistles to signaling devices. PFDs for every person, um, you know, at least the throwable. So, you know, that's all that stuff just makes for a better, it makes for a better boating experience, you know. And for goodness sake, if you're going out, man, don't drink and drive a boat. Um, right, because you can you can get a BUI, which is boating under the influence. You can get a you can get a ticket and you know lose your license, go to jail, all that fun stuff that goes along with that. So you got people on the boat that want to party, let them party. Whoever's driving the boat, you be be the designated driver, be the bigger person. So that's a great you know, point. Yeah, it's just a, it's just again, it just it makes for it definitely makes for a better boating experience. So. It does. I mean, you, you're literally, at, at times, we talked earlier before we started it, that, you know, with all this pent-up desire that we have being, you know, caught up in our, our homes and, and stay-at-home orders for the last month and a half, right. you know, you drive by a boat ramp now on a Sunday, and it is crazy. So, it, you know, while we know there's a lot of boaters out there anyway, there's even more today, so it, it makes even more right. sense to be more safe. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, 
you know, uh, one of the other things that we require of all of our employees, too, is they go through um, uh, what we call trailer training. And that's if you, you know, if you if you weren't like me where I, you know, I grew up, you know, pulling boats everywhere. Yeah. You know, um, so I know how to back up a trailer. But sometimes we get people that come in, they're fresh out of college, you know, they're, they're, their field experience, you know, in their degree program didn't give them that opportunity. And so everybody goes through trailer training and, and, you know, learns how to do that. So, you know, I encourage people to do that, you know, on their own. If you're, if you're a new boat owner and, and you're not, you know, you're not real proficient at it, man, go to a parking lot somewhere where you got lots of space and figure it out. Yep. It's, it's gonna, again, it's, it's a better boating experience when you're at the boat ramp and you're in line. You know, it, it's great if everybody knows what they're doing, but you know there's going to be that one person that, you know, they're just, they just stink at it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and it just holds, and it just holds everything up. So. Well, you know, um, there's, uh, when I was a kid, quick story, I was probably about mm-hmm. 15 years old and, and my dad and I were out fishing, and we, and we put the boat in in an area of Tampa Bay. It was not really a boat ramp. It was just a beach area and right. uh, off a hill. And so <laughs> it started raining. And my dad, you know, I'm 15, and, and my dad, you know, we're driving up to where the boat, the boat where the truck was. And he right. said, look, you get out. I'll stay out here. You go get the trailer and back it down in, and I'll drive it on. You'll just go home. We were only not that far from home. Right. And I said, well, that sounds pretty cool. So I get in the truck, and, and it's, it, while I'm 15, it's my I'm the heir to this truck when I turn 16. So, I, you know, it's my truck. I love it. Uh, right. It's raining, so the windows are up. I have the radio on, and I'm backing the trailer up. And then all of a sudden, I feel a little bump. I hit a bump. I said, I wonder what that is. I look to my right, and there's a trailer sitting right beside me. I jackknifed the trailer and ran over it. Literally. Oh my gosh. And you know, wow. all the while my dad is out in the water screaming at the top of his lungs to tell me right. to stop because he saw it go down. Right. <laughs> so Yeah, and you've got the radio on so you can't hear him. Nothing. And so I get wow. out and I see my dad just shaking his head. And I thought <laughs> he was going to kill me. And and he gets up and, and I it was a long neck trailer so it just it broke the neck but it, it didn't broke break oh. it off so we're able to bend it back around we were able it was a smaller boat we got we got it home but he gets out of the boat he says son i'm not going to kill you because i realized i never really taught you how to back up a trailer so now it's time so yep. from that moment on i, I could back up anything i literally can back up anything because you, yeah. you have to learn how to do it if you're going to have one that's right. And, uh, you know, I was, well, you know, my dad, my dad taught me how to back up a trailer because, you know, we always had, we always had boats growing up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so my first, uh, my first job, um, summer right out of high school, uh, I worked at a local marina. And, you know, there we, uh, I learned how to drive, first of all, how to drive a, a forklift. Yeah. And, um, we would use the forklift to move boats around. You know, they had a, it had a ball on, on, uh, on one of the forks. 
Yeah, and so you could, you hook it up, and so you were doing it. You were actually doing it backwards. That's right. So, which was which was that was that was great experience though. Um, yeah, because you know once you learn it, you can do it backwards, you know, and forwards. You can do it anyway. You can do it. Yeah, you can do it just about anything. So that's cool. You know, and uh, I'll tell you the one thing that throws me nowadays is when you've got a vehicle that's got one of the backup cameras. Yes. And, um, you know, I'm old school. I, I, I can't use it. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. Nope. I, I just, I can't. I, um, and, you know, our, our younger staff, they've pretty much grown up with those. So, you know, they're, they're awesome with it. And I'm just, they're like, why are you turning around or why are you looking in the mirror? Why don't you use the camera? I said, because it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> me neither. We do the so, same thing that they do, but they do it with technology. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, yep. And good for them. Yeah, it is funny. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. I love yeah. It. And then when, yeah. and when we do put them through trailer training, we we they don't get to use the camera. They got to learn. They got to learn the the old nuts and bolts way. So. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, and you know, folks, as we talk about this and boating safety, we joke a little bit, but. You know, literally being at the boat ramp is very, very important to know what to do at the boat ramp. I, you brought up your webpage and, and for FWC on boating safety mm-hmm. and, and we, we posted a, a post on Lakes Education uh, website with, with a link to that page just the other day, yeah. I think. And, and, okay. you know, it's just, it's so in depth. And, and if you're a new boater in Florida, Florida, that's where you want to go. You really want to know the rules. You want to know what's going on out there, and mm-hmm. FWC has a great resource for you. So, so before we end, though, you know, you you're a fisheries biologist, and you yep. brought up something that I think the audience may want to hear a little bit more about, and that's electrofish. So, just the the term is a little scary, and but yep. I, I was going through a, a presentation you made years ago, or you're part of years ago, and it, it had like some funny uh, pictures, Frankenfish, and the different things. So, but what oh, I that's 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 the um, that's that presentation I put together called the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, right? Exactly. That's it. Isn't that a great yep. presentation? It really was. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at that, and I wanted you to just spend a few minutes, you know, talking about what you do. Why you do it? Just a little bit about invasives and what is electrofishing. Okay, well let's start. Let's start with that. What is electrofishing? Uh, there's there's a lot of different sampling, what we call sampling methods, um, to capture fish to get the data that we need to make management decisions, and that's why we do it. We're looking at if I go out to a lake and I'm going to assess the fish population. Um, I'm going to look at I'm going to look at water quality. I'm going to look at habitat. I also need to know what fish live there, you know, all the different species. And then we look at what we call size structure, size composition, which is uh, it's the percentage of fish of the same size, if that makes sense. So, and there's and with different fish species. If you're if you're managing for for our number one sport fish here in Florida, which is the largemouth bass, Florida largemouth bass are more popular than any other fish in this state in either fresh or salt water. It's it's amazing. Yeah, bass anglers spend on average 
about 16 to 18 million days a year on the water. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's and then the, the number two fish is redfish, but that's only about six million days. So right. it's, it's a huge difference. Um, in, in bass fishing generates a ton of money for the state's economy, something like one and a quarter billion dollars a year. Um, in Polk County alone, it's about $55 million a year. Last figure wow. that I saw. So, you know, it's a big deal. Um, so that, I mean, and that's kind of the, the that's the, the basis of, of my profession is, first of all, we're paid by the anglers. People who go out and, and recreational fish have to buy a fishing license. That money goes directly into the agency, and, and in this case, it'd be the Division of Freshwater Fisheries, for us to make sure that that water quality is there, that habitat's there, and those fish that people like to go out and catch are there. And, you know, so it's a win-win for everybody. It's, it's a win for the anglers, it's a win for the fish, and, you know, the other wildlife that, that are impacted by our activities. So, getting back to electrofishing, that in Florida, that's the most effective method for us to capture lots of fish because the more fish you have, the better your data points are and the, the better management decision you can make. Um, there's other net, there's net gears, there's, uh, there's entrapment gear. Most of those are not as effective and they're, in many cases, they're lethal. Fish don't survive. Hmm. Fish right. survive electrofishing. Um, if we're doing it right, we capture those fish. We, you know, we count them, we measure them, we look at them for, you know, for general health and, and um, you know, parasites, that kind of thing, and then we turn them loose. You know, they, they're good to swim another day and be caught by somebody or, you know, just do what they do. So that's electrofishing. Um, Florida is, you know, we're blessed with this great semi-tropical climate that we have. Um, you know, I'm talking to you. On my on my front porch, doing my favorite old man activity, which is I watch all the birds and squirrels at my at my bird feeders. <laughs> I heard them in the background. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they're yeah, my mockingbirds are going crazy right now because it's mating season for them, and they're uh, there's like six of them around here, and they're all competing. So I'll try to see who can out sing the other. <laughs> um, but this climate that we have here is. Um, it's real conducive for plants and animals that didn't evolve here to survive. Um, so Florida, we, we lead the nation in, a num in numbers of invasive species. And that's mm -hmm. everything from plants to, you know, insects, reptiles, mammals, and fish. Um, we've got close to 40 non-native fish that are established and reproduced here in Florida. Wow. So, and some of them have negative impacts on, on the environment. And uh, that's, you know, another part of our job is to assess what that impact is and to, you know, if we discover new species, if there's ways we can er er eradicate them, then, you know, that's part of, that's part of our job too. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, in Central Florida here, the number one, well, the, the top three non-natives in this area would be uh, blue tilapia or 
Nile perch. Yeah. Um, armored catfish. And those are the ones people commonly call flacos or flacostomus, even though they're, they're not really. Um, and then there's another invasive catfish called a brown hoplo that's, that's really numerous. So. Uh, so is, which one of those is the brown hoplo a walking cat? What? Say that again? Is the brown haplo, is that considered a walking catfish? No, no, walking catfish are, they're here too, but their numbers, um, have gone down dramatically. Um, okay. they're just not as numerous as they were, say, 30 years ago. Well, that's good. Um, and it's funny, that was, you know, that, that fish got established because of the aquarium industry. Um, that was going to be the that was going to be the golden goose of tropical fish farmers, right? Because you know, you, here you have the fish that you know it can breathe air and it can walk on land. You know what a cool pet to have. And I remember, you know, in the back of uh, in the back of, of like Mar- Marvel comic books, um, you know, you could order just about anything back in the day. You know, right. you could you could order baby monkeys from Florida, raccoons. This is mail order. I mean, think about that. Like you're a kid, you're like, oh, I can send five bucks and I'm going to get a live monkey in the mail. <laughs> yeah, um, crazy. Yeah, and then and then there would be an ad of this of this kid, you know, like walking a fish on a leash, and um, he'd be like, oh, I can order a walking catfish. Well, the problem was. When the farmers were, were, you know, raising them up, they, they, they completely forgot one thing. The fish really do walk. And so when it rains, <laughs> they walk away. That's when they like, that's when they like to get out. And so most of their fish walked away. And so, so did the profits. So, that's crazy. That is isn't crazy. it though? Yeah. It is. And we still get calls, we still get calls about them. I mean, they, they show up and, in in really odd places sometimes, um, sure. but um, they're you know, they're not they're they're really not problematic. So, right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So, so what can what can our audience? How can our audience just ensure they don't add to the problem of invasives? What what you know if they're out on the water, if, they're going from lake to lake. What can they do to ensure they they don't do that? Um, don't if you're going from lake to lake, don't catch, don't catch and keep non-natives and transport them. If you're if you're you know if you're if you're an, uh, an aquarist, you know you got you know aquariums in, in, in the home. It's a great hobby. Um, so sure. please, if you're tired of your fish, don't turn them loose. Because if we catch you, it's a five hundred dollar fine. So wow, five hundred dollars. Yep, five hundred dollars for you know letting a goldfish go. Um, right, it's not worth it. Find another home for it, or you know, I hate, I hate to say that, but say this, but you know, safely euthanize it. Correct. You know, um, and it's it's funny. We one of, one of the one of the species, non-native species that's that's shown up um, in in I don't want to say great numbers, but they're certainly more numerous than again thirty years ago. Are koi. Really, you know, people get have koi ponds, and and yep. you know either they they get tired of them because you know they're they can be a lot of work, and ah oh, you know I can't kill this fish. I paid you know 150 bucks for it, and I'm just trying to lose. 
Oh, they are. There's one in um, there's one over in Saddle Creek Park. <laughs> um, I've seen him twice, and I have a, a deal with Legoland. If we if we catch him, he's they have a koi pond there. Um, the old uh, uh, Esther Williams Florida shaped swimming pool. Yeah, the Florida pool. Okay, they, yeah. they, they turned that into a koi pond. And so if I get this bad boy, this is like a sixty pound koi. Holy cow! Oh yeah, it's it's massive. Um, I mean, it's the size of a of a of a you know of a Rottweiler. It's huge. <laughs> He's living large. He is living large now, and I've gotten I've, I've put two in their koi pond, um, not that big. They were both around uh, about thirty pounds a piece. Right. So, yeah, well, and, you know, they're just you know, they're just going to sit out there and, and eat and grow, and and they're a, they're a bottom feeder. I mean, yeah. they're actually an or, they're actually an ornamental carp, and um, they can uh, they can do some they can do some. Uh, Habitat damage. They they uproot plants and you know can destroy some some native vegetation. That so yeah. absolutely. And, and they didn't just get there. So that that's the problem. You know they yeah. just didn't appear. Somebody released it, or you know, and it's just not the right thing. And just about every single invasive we have, right. well, it, very few have actually came here on their own. But you know, like some insects have come over with hurricanes. We we know that. But yep. either through importation, you know, the old banana docks we used to have in Tampa Bay, and, you know, we had right. banana spiders coming. Just about every bad thing we have was brought here by someone. So we can yeah. be more manageable with that and, and take care mm-hmm. of it. Yep. And, you know, love bugs came over on a cargo ship. They're not a, they're not a product of a lab experiment at the University of Florida. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's that's and, one of the that's one of the funniest stories to me. You know, it really is, and that it keeps going around year after. I know year. it does. It's right. It's right up there with with Walt Disney being cryogenically frozen. <laughs> I think exactly. and he's he's going to come back to life someday. You know, and that exactly. one that that particular urban legend is actually uh, came from um, one of the old horror comic books. It was a story in a comic book. You know, this, this kid breaks into this, like, haunted house or something, and in the basement is this mad scientist laboratory where he's, you know, frozen all these famous people, and he's going to bring them back to life. <laughs> Including <laughs> Walt Disney. Including <laughs> Walt Disney. Yeah. Well, you know, that would be cool. You know, we, we need some help around here with getting back to work, so maybe we can bring him out of out of frozen <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah, that, that's that'd be that'd be that's entertaining, man. It is. Uh, well, man, I, I I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. You know, it's I was really looking forward to this and um, to get to know what you do a little better. And I knew you wouldn't disappoint. <laughs> well, try not to. So uh, one of the yeah, I was going to say one of the other things that we do too, and, and this is like very topical for today. Um, is we investigate, uh, fish kills, you know, on public lakes, if, uh, you know, what, yeah. ca- what, what causes them. Um, most of the time it's, uh, it's what we call a low dissolved oxygen kill. It's, it's a common, you know, natural phenomenon, um, particularly in the summer. We get our, our summer 
rain patterns. Um, but sometimes it's, you know, it's something different. Sometimes it's, it's a pollutant. Um, sometimes it's a, a disease problem. And like we're looking at one of the local lakes right now, um, I started getting calls around Christmas time um, that bass were dying in this lake. And not in great numbers, just, you know, but, but people noticed it. And uh, it was right around the time that the that bass were starting to spawn. And, and when fish are spawning, um, they go through what we call spawning stress because they're not, they're not feeding. They spend a lot of energy on reproduction. And it makes their immune system break down and they're more vulnerable to fungus and, you know, bacteria and, um, and viruses. Fish have all, there's a whole host of fish diseases out there that affect fish and, you know, not humans. Right. So, you know, the people that we talked to, what they described, sounded like spawning stress, once we worry about it. Um, but it kept going. And, and then, um, one of the guys that I've been talking to who lives on this lake, um, he, um, he, he called back one day and he said, he said, the bass numbers have gone way down on the ones that are dying. He said, but now we got crappie that are dying. Said, okay, now we guess we better go out and take a look. So we went out, took a look, got some fish samples, brought them into, uh, brought them up to the hatchery and, um, where they, uh, you know, we've got, uh, uh, some people on staff up there that that's what they're, they're our fish disease experts. And, uh, They don't have a, they don't have a, a big full laboratory up there, but they can kind of do, you know, the basics. Well, they didn't really find anything conclusive, so they took some tissue samples and preserved them, and those tissue samples have to go to our lab at St. Pete. So when you and I are done talking, that's what I'm doing is delivering fish tissue samples to the lab. <laughs> Interesting. Uh huh. Yep. It, one of them things you don't. You know, one of them things you don't think about is going, to, is going on in the world. <laughs> no, absolutely, and and that's yeah. to help. You know, obviously you don't want the fish kill. You know, but like you nope. said, sometimes it's natural. It but, is, but sometimes there could be something a little more nefarious going on. Yeah, there could be. Yep, but I mean, this is obviously a, it's a disease issue. We just don't know what, but it's nice to know, and because you know our, our stakeholders want to know. You know, I mean, I want to know because I'm, I'm just scientific curiosity. But you know, more importantly, I want to be able to tell people on the lake. Um, you know, I can tell them it's a disease issue. I would like to be able to tell them exactly what. So, hopefully, we'll find out. Absolutely. Well, that, that's great, and and it's amazing what all you guys do throughout. So. Um, I'm fascinated by it. You know, it's not just checking on fish, but you but your your water quality, every you know, everything that, that Lee does, everything that we stand for is really mm-hmm. what you do every day. That's right. Yep, and again that's that's one of the things I love about the organization is it is that it's that bridge between, you know, science and the stakeholders. And, you know, we, we need organizations like this. Um, you know, it makes, you know, it, you know the, the educational tools that we employ with, with LEAD are, are, are wonderful. Um, and in, in some sense, I, I'll say this, they make my job easier because people are aware of what we do. So. Exactly. 
Good point. And yeah, point. and that's you know, there's I have I've got friends that work in fish and wildlife, you know, agencies in other states that they don't have organizations like this. And one of the things that I that I've always loved about FWC is we have always had this mission of making of engaging our stakeholders and making sure they know what we're doing and why we do it. They may not agree with us all the time, but you know that communication has always been there. And some of the other agencies, man, they just don't get that. And um, you know, they're it's like the people that work there. They're doing very similar work to me that I do. But they're vilified, you know. They never do. They don't do. They don't do nothing right in the public side. That's <laughs> true. But you know, their their administrations, for whatever reason, don't. They don't want to take that step and, you know, engage people. And that's that's why I've, I've really been blessed to to have spent my career here. So, because I would not survive in a in a culture like that. No, nor would I. It is about engaging the people. You have to, um, mm-hmm. especially when you play any type of regulatory world, you know, and, and that it's so important for the folks to know what you do and why you do it. And, right. and, and FWC is good at, at, at telling that story, I think. Yeah, I, we are. We've gotten, you know, we, 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 uh, we would probably, some people would say we've, you know, probably had some stumbles along the way, which I'm sure we have, but, um, Sure. You know, by and large, no, I, I think we're, you know, that is, that's one of our greatest strengths. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, and I was just thinking, you know, like, look at our, you look at our, our sheriff. Look at what Grady Judd does. Right. You know, he, he is constantly out there, you know, out front, you know, basically telling people, you know, what the SO's office is up to, you know, right. and why. And, you know, there's, I mean, people don't, there's a lot of people that don't agree with him, you know, but I know that they respect the fact that he's, you know, that he does that. So. Absolutely. Yeah, you and, you may not agree, but you, you right. will always be informed. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well said. That's good point. <laughs> it's true. All right, man. Well, yep. thank you for joining today. Thank you for joining the podcast today, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. This was fun. I do. Too. I think it was too. I believe the information you provided, you know, it's going to help our Polk County visitors and our residents have a little bit better experience out on the water to understand. But you know, to find out more about FWC, I believe your website is myfwc.com. Is that correct? Correct. That's it myfwc.com, and there there's a search link. You can find the boating information. You can find water quality information. You can find species information. It's very intuitive. So I suggest you go visit. And, of course, you can visit us at www.lakeseducation.org. And, of course, follow us on Facebook and and on Instagram. Find out what leads to it. That's right. Well, Paul, again, thank you very much. Appreciate your time, buddy. Uh, you're, You're so welcome. Cool.